When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You are listening to Run Buncher Radio 2020 Opening Day Special. Gentlemen, baseball is here. Pirates baseball is now less than 24 hours away. Trey Anity, Marty Leap, Nick Caparoso with you. And tonight, we are joined by a very special guest, a former Pittsburgh Pirate himself, now an analyst with the team via broadcast, and a guy that did tag out uh, Julio Lugo in Atlanta. Uh, we don't forget about that. <laughs> The Ford himself, Michael McHenry. Michael, thank you so much for coming on list. Thank you very much for having me, guys. I'm, I'm really excited about this. And he was out. <laughs> no doubt about it. But it is just uh, one of the long sufferings that we deal with as Pirates fans. But a new era of baseball is here in Pittsburgh. Ben Charrington, Derek Shelton get set for their first game at the helm in St. Louis tomorrow night. Let's just get right into it. Pirates baseball is here what are you guys looking forward to the most about tomorrow night? And maybe what do you guys expect out of this opening weekend? Michael, you want to get us started? Yeah, I'm, I'm just looking for the like new adventure. I, I think giving Sherrington and Shelton and the new staff a chance to see what they have uh, at their hands. I don't think they got a complete look during spring training. I think they have a pretty good idea. But I'm excited to see the turnaround and the kind of warp speed these guys could – possibly have with the player development um, using analytics and and going about it a little bit different than the old regime. So I think it's going to be fun to see, you know, a guy like Clay Holmes all of a sudden be a better bullpen guy, maybe even in the central division and see Jeff Hartley make huge strides. And some of these guys that, you know, really struggled in the past that all of a sudden make these huge strides because they have better information they have better hands-on uh, coaching. Not that Ray Series or any of those guys were bad. It's just that, you know, bringing in a younger guy like Oscar Marine is, is a big deal in the sense of his ability to adapt to the time now, but also sprinkle in the old school. And he's matching these guys' feel with the re- realistic uh, numbers of analytics. And I think it's going to be a lot of fun to see these guys, you know, really um, jumpstart their careers and jumpstart this team into, into the future. I think you're spot on, Mike. You know, one one thing that uh, we're really expecting out of this new regime as a whole is more information used to help develop these players. That's something that the last regime kind of struggled with, especially towards the uh, 
end there where they weren't necessarily uh, developing the players to their full potential. And, you know, there's some extreme cases. We saw that, you know, Tyler Glass now and even Garrett Cole to a point. But, you know, there's also some lesser extremes with guys who just never panned out. So that's what I think I'm looking forward to most is, like you said, is seeing what they can do with some of these young guys who have been good, but maybe to see if they can get them to take that next step. Yeah, you guys are spot on of how I feel. I'm just excited to watch some of the young talent on this team have the opportunity to continue to develop and take that next step. Now, this is not to say that the Pirates are going to be some postseason team or anything, but hey, with the ex- expand the postseason, anything could happen. But I said all year last year, and I said it th- throughout the offseason, this team was better than their record last year. They had more talent than a 69-win team. I have zero doubt about hey, that. Yeah, and that's why I'm excited to see with this new staff, see them tap into the potential. You know, some of the guys you mentioned, Michael, like Clay Holmes, for example, I think he can just be just an absolute force out of the bullpen. There's a lot of guys I'm really excited to see what they can do this year. I think Cole Tucker is another one who could benefit from this new staff. I think he has a lot of untapped potential as a hitter. So I'm just going to be very excited throughout the year to watch these young guys develop and watch these young guys grow as hitters and as pitchers and learn the game using all the different tools that this new regime is going to bring for everyone and be able to add to their arsenal. I think you're right, Marty, with, you know, this team might not necessarily be a playoff team, and no one's necessarily expecting them to, you know, compete this year. And they might. They definitely have enough young pieces that could surprise some people. But – In general, with this new regime, one of the big things, and Michael touched on this earlier, we as fans and as people who, you know, analyze the Pirates, we need to be patient with the new regime and allow them, like he said, you know, they had a shortened spring training. They're still getting to know these players and the whole organization. So we need to just remember that and remember that this year is also a big year for the front office and evaluating what they have. And there's just so many different weird kind of nuances that we're going to see this season just with the way that everything is gone. But I think one thing that is really going to be interesting to watch is how the broadcasts are handled, considering that fans can't go to the games. The only way to, to, to see everything happen is on TV. Michael, you're an intricate part of every Pittsburgh Pirates TV broadcast. What do you guys have planned as this weird 2020 season gets started? You know, thank God for technology. Um, you know, right out of the gate, you know, the social distancing, the separation and everything puts a little bit of a wrinkle in what you're trying to do. Um, you know, the home games are going to be pretty familiar, minus the fans, which is a huge part of it. Even if it's not a full crowd, you still feel that energy, good or bad. So not having that's a little different, even though they pump in the, the crowd noise. It's not like they're doing it to certain plays. Like, you know, if Josh Bell, it's a homer, you're not hearing – you know, a crowd cheer like crazy. It's just kind of that ongoing crowd noise to give you a little bit of background music, so to speak. But, you know, the biggest difference is going to be on the road. And Greg Brown said it the best the other day. He's like, you want to be good at it, but you don't want to be too good. Because the reality of it is you want to be able to travel with the team. You want to be around the guys. You want to be able to talk to them face-to-face, get to know them as people, not just a ball player. And you also want them to get to know you so you can kind of get to the, you know, ingrained into what is like inside their heart, inside their head, 
and what makes them them. If you can't do that, I don't think you can necessarily do the broadcast the best of your ability, and you don't really understand what that guy's really trying to do. I mean, you could see him trying to maybe do something biomechanically or something with his analytics, but, you know, where's his head at? What, what's really going on, you know, between the ears more than just what is his body doing? So being able to get back to the norm is really important, but for the time being, you know, we have a setup at AT&T for the broadcast team that's just off the charts. Uh, I'll actually I'll put it on my Twitter tomorrow so you guys can see it. But you have four TVs in front, two up high, and then you have an ISO monitor. And you have this huge spread out area. I don't know if you guys watched when Joe Block and Rock were on the other day. But, I mean, the setup they did and the short period of time they had, it, it's remarkable. And, and like I said, thank God for technology. It's going to be able to really bring it to life for fans, I think. Certainly. That, that's kind of something I was wondering, too, with the crowd noise, you know, do they crank it a little bit higher when Josh Bell comes up or when a big moment happens, or is it just kind of, you know, one continuous uh, uh, crowd noise throughout the thing? But, um, you know, like you said, it's just going to be an unbelievable, I guess, experience for AT&T Sportsnet and, and all these production companies trying to give fans the best experience while keeping the players healthy and keeping everybody involved healthy. Uh, but this season will not be the same anyway. You draw it, especially the atmosphere. Like you said, they're, they're trying to pump in some crowd noise, but I guess in what other ways are they trying to make things normal for the players? I guess, what did you see this past weekend throughout the exhibitions? So something that I think is really important is for guys like you to speak up and, and almost like say, hey, why don't you guys try this? Why, why isn't this happening? And kind of challenge the production crew, the TV side, the radio side, and just the whole broadcast team in general, and also the Pirates. I mean, the Pirates are one of the only teams not doing the cardboard cutouts, which I think is a big deal. One, you can give back to the community, and two, you can have almost a look of something at least there. You know, an empty stadium is is kind of, you know, gut-wrenching when you look at it, and especially a place like PNC Park that's just a beautiful park, and then you see an empty stadium. I think just having – some cardboard cutouts or, or something in the back. I mean, if you look at what South Korea has done, they've done stuffed animals. They've had a lot of fun with it. They've, you know, made beer uh, can towers and all kinds of stuff. And I think that brings a little bit of like, you know, kid-like fun to the game. And I think that's what they need to do. You know, the fireworks for the home runs, all of it. Make sure the city of Pittsburgh knows that there's, there's a game going on, whether they're there or not, I think is really important. But it's really going to be on the fans and guys that, like you guys that really love the Pirates to speak out on maybe some things that you would like to see, or, you know, maybe we can challenge, you know, the production crew or the TV crew, like I said, to do something that we've never done before. I mean, we've already talked about some ideas, but getting from the fans, I think is the most important thing. So how are the players handling it so far? You've been around the team intricately up to this point, I guess, as much as you can with the regulations. Is it, are they treating it normally? Obviously they, you know, they have to have some kind of, you know, knowledge that this is different, but how have they kind of handled all this so far? I think that that's a blessing of the team that we have in Pittsburgh. Um, I don't know if you can find a better clubhouse. All in all, I'm not saying every guy's a, you know, stand up, you know, straight lace guy, but like it's a really, really good makeup of guys that really care about each other and they love the game and they want to get better daily. So, 
you know, they're showing up with a very narrow focus. I mean, Musgrove said it the other day after his start against Cleveland is like, I didn't even realize there weren't any fans there. It's like, I wish they were there. You know, it didn't get signed autographs, didn't get to, you know, do the things that I normally do. But at the end of the day, I'm narrow focused and locked in on stalling behind the plate and everything else is kind of a blur, almost like for love of the game, the movie, clear the mechanism and just lock it in. And I think we have more guys like that than most teams do. You know, you haven't heard a lot of, you know, negativity or really anything um, kind of beating down what's going on. It's all positive. These guys want to play. And I think that starts with, you know, Derek Sheldon and Donnie Kelly at the top of this team leading in the right way. I mean, even their workouts, you know, Schultz's out there running the bases. He's in rundowns. He's playing third base. Don Kelly's all over the yard. And it makes it so much like more genuine because Mm -hmm. you get to see the joy that those guys have in the game and it just radiates off of them and it trickles down to all these guys. And I think that's amazing that they have that in the times we're in. And it's a blessing that Neil Huntington put together a makeup of a team like this. And I think Sherrington's going to squeeze those oranges and get the most out of these players and make the best orange juice. If I could, you know, ask Michael then, so what's the what's the biggest uh, difference you're seeing in the clubhouse between the new regime and the old regime? You know, especially maybe like the last year or two, you know, just being around. I, I would say the biggest thing is, is the deep breath it seems like every guy's taken. Um, you know, even when I was here, there was just a, a – an aura of almost you can't make a mistake. And there was disappointment with the mistake where, you know, one of the best coaches of all time, you know, used to say, I want my players to make, and this is Coach Wooden, I want to make, I want my players to make as many mistakes as possible early on so they can actually make that play later on in the season. If I put too much pressure on them or if I force them to feel like they have to be perfect, that mistake's going to be emphasized over and over and over again in their mind instead of them being able to have freedom and not fear to make that mistake. And that's the biggest difference I've seen is the deep breath these guys have taken. It looks like they're back to, you know, playing like they would in the minor leagues where the, you know, the fear of making a mistake or the reality of, oh, I could be sent down tomorrow. They just seem so much more relaxed in what they're doing, but they seem a little bit more hungry at the same time. And that's a great combo to have with a young team. That makes sense. Yeah, it's kind of like now that there's not as much pressure, you're also though you're getting a little more motivated because of that. Absolutely. I mean, you guys saw it. I mean, last year, win, lose, draw, it seemed like it was all business. You know, it seemed right. like we were going to a business meeting a lot of times instead of a baseball game. Baseball is supposed to be fun. There should be smiles. You know, if you watch – McCutcheon in Philadelphia on Twitter, he's dancing around, he's having fun. There, There's something to be said for that. You know, if you're not enjoying the game, then you're probably adding tension and stress that's not needed, and especially in the times we're in now. You know, we're in a pandemic. You know, there, there's all types of weird stuff going on around the world. When you show up to the baseball field, it's your chance to get away. It, it, it's your cloud nine to just say, I get to just go play ball today get dirty, throw the ball around the yard, and hit hit homers. I can't 
think about everything else and put added pressure on myself when I, you know, get on the diamond because that's not going to work. Now, that's one thing I thought you could notice even in spring training back in February and March of these guys was they seemed a lot looser. Everyone seemed like they're having fun again. I remember Joe Musgrove commenting in an interview very early in spring training how much different the atmosphere was and the culture. He said just it was better. He said it almost reminded him of when he played in Houston and being more similar to that culture as opposed to the culture they had in Pittsburgh the last few years. I think Keone Kellis said some similar comments about the better culture. A lot of guys commented on it, and I felt like that that was one thing that Derek Sheldon and this crew brought in very quickly was that culture. And, you know, you have a manager like Shelton who was with the Twins last year in the postseason, was with the Rays for all those years. Donnie Kelly, who was on a lot of really good teams in Detroit, was a coach of Houston last year, like guys who know how to win and have fun doing it. And I think that's paying off. And you're seeing that already. And, like, I felt that and hear that you feel like you see the same thing, Michael, just reiterates that to me that that's definitely what is happening in this clubhouse. And, and to, to elaborate a little bit deeper on that, Something else that's a lot different is the transparency, the the openness with guys. It, the, there's no secrets anymore. Like guys are understanding where they fit and what they need to do to be successful for this team and their career. I mean, I think too often the old adage of, you know, player coach relationship was, you know, get the most out of them, but keep enough, you know, in your, in your back pocket so you don't give them all the answers and now it's just like hey here's everything we got what do you need how can i help you to be successful not just here but throughout your career because you want to make guys successful is if you can make guys extremely successful in pittsburgh even a small market team one you increase their value so if you do have to trade them you're going to get a huge return back so the goal should be let's try to maximize every single guy's ability like through and through so we can make sure that we are creating a revolving door of good players and developing good players all at the same time. And that's, what's going to make this, you know, engine really roar. And that's kind of what, you know, I was thinking about earlier when you were saying too, just in general, these guys, when they make mistakes now, it seems it's used as a positive tool instead of, like you said, a business like where if you make a mistake, hey, you might not get to play tomorrow. Right. And that's hard. I mean, that's really hard as a player, especially a guy that doesn't play every day. You know, like they're obviously very, you know, keen on the defensive side. So like if Heredia's, you know, starts out the season hitting 180, but he's playing great defense, they're going to praise him on his defense, but continue to, you know, grind it out in the cage to figure it out, hoping he gets hot because at some point that bat's going to have to step up and he's on the roster. He's not going anywhere. So it's kind of understanding, Hey, you know, we got to really try to figure out how each guy ticks and how can we, you know, really help this guy at any given moment, depending on the situation we're in. And I think for a time right now, that's so important when there is so much uncertainty and, and players are, you know, maybe requiring a little bit more from their front office. Another guy that, has gotten you know so much positivity around him. Oscar Marine, it just seems like he he's so willing to work with these pitchers and, and really help develop them. What changes have you seen in, in the bullpen with the starters since Marine has arrived? I, I think the the knowledge and understanding of 
one, creating their identity for themselves. So every guy's different. And for a long time, the Pirates had a sinker ball mentality, create ground balls, create contact, you know, early strikes, you know, whether they said they were trying to pitch to contact or not, they were 100% trying to pitch to contact over the last 10 or 15 years, no doubt about it. And that mindset's changing. And that's going to change not just at the big league level, but most importantly at the minor league level. You know, if you have a guy, for example, like Clay Holmes, he's got a nasty sinker. And you tell him, hey, we're going to pound the guys in. He doesn't have a window there. He needs more room. He needs to go on the outside part of the outside part of the plate to give him a bigger window to throw to. And if he doesn't do that, he's going to have a hard time finding that zone. But he took it in his own hands this offseason. He shortened up his stroke a little bit, cleaned up his mechanics, and the direction cleaned up so he can do a little bit more with his pitches. But understanding what you do really well. Um, one example the other day in the game was, you know, watching uh, Brault pitch. He gets behind the hitters, gets behind the hitters, and he goes straight to his slider for strikes. And last year, I kept wondering why, you know, his slider is his best strike pitch and percentage-wise for a long time last season. And I couldn't figure out why he didn't come back with it a lot to get him back in counts. He was always trying to get that fastball back in the zone, back in the zone. And I understand that game he had in Milwaukee where he threw 60-plus fastballs in a row with no sliders, and he was very successful with it, but that's an oddity. I mean, the guy's got nasty stuff, but I think him understanding – himself a little bit better. He's not searching why he's out there. He's not trying to pitch directly to the scouting report. He's pitching to the scouting report a little bit, but most importantly, he's pitching to his strengths and his identity. And that's coming from Oscar and those guys writing player cards for these guys of individual reports. It's not this whole broad band of information that you can't take in. It's very individualized and very specific to what that player needs. And if the guy doesn't want it, he doesn't get it. You know, they're not forcing it down their throat. They're just saying, hey, what do you need? How do you need it? And if he doesn't want it, they want to know why. And then they try to find that balance to help that guy be the best he can be. You, one thing you touched on there, Michael, that I feel like is really going to make a difference this year with Oscar Marion as well. You said about Brault in that start the other night against Cleveland when he went to his slider when he was behind the count for strikes. And I feel like last year there were – a lot of pitchers on the staff, Brault included, I think Musgrove is another one who falls in this category, who rather it was the coaching staff, the game plan, whatever it might have been, were way too reliant on their fastball. You have a lot of guys who have very good sliders on the staff or other off-speed pitches, whatever they might be, who did not use them enough, I felt. So I think this year you're going to see guys use those more, and that will make a difference. Um, the story of Trevor Williams when he met with the media a few weeks ago and said about how Marion wants to really rev up his curveball usage. He threw his curveball less than 1% of the time last year, and yeah. the other night against the Indians, he threw it six times in less than three innings. So I think you're already seeing a difference there, and I think that will pay dividends for this staff. I mean, obviously, I think anyone who's played baseball at any level understands a fastball is always going to be easier to hit then slider, curve, change, whatever it might be. So if you have a guy with a good slider, with a good curve ball, whichever off-speed pitch it might be that is successful for them, you want to see them lean on it a little bit more. And I do think we're going to see that more this year, and you've already kind of hinted towards that. And I think that'll really pay dividends for this pitching staff. And I do believe that this starting rotation, because of that, it could be a lot better than anyone is going to give them credit for or have expectations for going into the season. You know, you nailed it. 
and the reality across the league is the trend is guys are throwing their off-speed pitches more often, but most importantly, they're throwing their best pitch more often. And, you know, with Brault, his best pitch is his slider. Not saying you should throw it 50% of the time, but if you see that 35% of the time or 30% of the time consistently across the board, sometimes it goes up to 40%. There's nothing wrong with that because, you know, when guys are hitting 180 against his slider left and right-handed, you should probably think about maybe throwing that a little bit more. I mean, that's how guys turn their career around. You look at, you know, uh, uh, Rich Hill in uh, L.A. the last five, six years really resurrected his career by throwing his curveball almost 45% of the time where he was predominantly fastballs when he was out of the bullpen. And when he transitioned to be a starter, that breaking ball was so important for him. Trevor Bauer throws his curveball a ton because it's a different type of curveball. And I think that's what these guys are realizing is like, hey, analytically, my best pitch is this. It's like Kyle Crick has really struggled, you know, in spring training, in this exhibition, and he keeps running back to his fastball. And his best pitch, even though his velocity is down, his slider's velocity is down, he still has a really good slider. It still moves a ton horizontally, and it's tough. I mean, it's got more spin than anybody's slider in all of baseball. So throw it more often when you're not feeling right. And if that's not there that day, you're going to have to over-adjust, over-exaggerate to get back on plane. But at the end of the day, these guys are understanding more than ever how to compete and what they compete best with. One thing we've talked about since we began the podcast back in mid-May is just how this group's going to be so much more analytical, so much more number-oriented. Are you already starting to see positive change with certain guys just based on the numbers that they're being given right now? Yeah, I mean, if you go to a practice – you're going to see in the bullpen, you're going to see a TV screen, you're going to see a rap soto, and you're going to see guys behind the pitcher and Oscar, you know, working that um, technology. And they're going to get real-time feedback. So why is that important? A lot of people ask. It's not that, you know, an old-school guy or a Ray Searage or someone that's not using analytics, which he did use analytics. And, you know, he was fighting against dead horse with the front office because they were – you know, they had one idea, you know, Ray had a different, and they never ma matched up last year, and you could see that pretty obviously. But now you have a group of guys that are, are linked up, they're matched, and they're working together just to help the individual. And then they work on the next individual, which is collectively going to help the team. But that real-time feedback gives guys a chance to have a cheat code where, you know, not that someone that's not using it can't figure out the exact same thing, but it's, it's almost like expedited. You know, if you're looking at a guy that has 25 RPMs on his spin with a four-seamer, the guy doesn't need to throw a sinker. You know, that's an elite spin on his four-seamer. And if his angle is really high, it makes it even better. If he's like Trevor Williams and he's almost throwing uphill, that's a different type of angle, and it creates a different look for a hitter. So there creates more deception. So they're able to see all these things, release point, spin, axis of spin, efficiency of spin. They're able to see it in real time and tell these guys, hey, that was really good. What did you feel? And then they explain what they feel and they try to match it. And if they can match it, these guys will be more and more consistent because they're matching the feel of what they're actually doing to what's really happening. And that's when elite things start happening. You're going to see across the board guys are going to be able to make adjustments faster. I think I'm looking forward to most seeing what Mitch Keller can do with uh, this new pitching philosophy. I am too. Uh, you know, 
going back to Marty saying guys throwing their fastball too much. I mean, he was one of those guys last year, and he was one of those guys, in my opinion, and speaking to him a little bit, you know, creating that confidence he needs. You know, like if he can find that whole, almost Hulk mentality or that Marvel mentality when he goes to the mound. I mean, Jared Hughes was the best example of this. He had an alter ego when he played, you know, in the game. He was a big teddy bear. And then all of a sudden, you know, when he's running in from the bullpen, he put on a cape and his, his mindset changed, his demeanor changed. He had that mean mug face. It was pretty funny for anybody that knew him, but it put him in a different mindset. And I think that's the next step for Mitch Keller's, you know, career. He needs to find that mindset to where he, he, he's the dominant force when he walks on the mound because his stuff is elite. I mean, it's elite across the board. I mean, elite curveball, elite slider, elite fastball. I mean, his spin is, you know, above average on all of his pitches. He just has to go out there with the mindset of I'm going to punch every ticket that walks up here and they have no shot to face me no matter what, because I'm better than them, period. And if he has that mentality, I mean, you're going to see, you may not see a Garrett Cole because, you know, he's a special being. God waved the wand over him, but he's got that type of stuff. He's really close to right. having Garrett Cole stuff. He just has to find the mentality and the belief and then match it with the numbers. And this guy could be an ace for a long time. No, I think you're right. He would look, he looked very inconfident on the mound from the get-go and I mean part of that was that first rough inning he had against Cincinnati that obviously doesn't help the confidence but even after they sent him down and brought him back up and he's still just like you said he kind of looked lost at times in the mound and he just kind of needs to go out there and trust this stuff and understand just how good um you know his pitches are there's no question and I think he has the right regime around him to do this. I think he's going to have enough guys around him, you know, giving him what he needs. You know, every personality is a little different. You have to match that personality with what they need. You know, some guys need a kick in the butt. Some guys need a big hug and some guys need absolutely nothing. And you have to find that whether you're the catcher, the pitching coach, you know, the manager of the front office and a guy like him, you really got to find that balance and just try to pull out as much of that ability and talent as you can. That's, that's really said beautifully. And, you know, confidence is key at the end of the day for a guy like Mitch Keller, especially that is the youngest in the staff and, and is still trying to figure out, you know, exactly what he's capable of at the major league level. But confidence on the hitting side of things in Pittsburgh have looked great through three exhibitions. We saw a lot of first pitch swings, you know, guys getting after it early in that bat. Rick Eckstein was, was one of the few that, that did make it through this past offseason What's the hitting mentality now with this new regime, and, and what can we expect this season? I, I was literally going to cry if they if they got rid of Eckstein. <laughs> I mean, uh, Same. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, been disappointed too. You know, it was tough losing Cruz. Um, he's re- he was really good. He was really good with the guys off the bench, probably as good as I've seen. Um, and they had a good demeanor, but like you know, Eckstein, you have him and his brother. It's a package deal at the end of the day. But he's really good at just the empathy side of the game. When you talk to him, and you guys have heard interviews, it's, he's very, you know, low-key. He, he doesn't bring, you know, anxiety to it. He never looks like he's 
going to put a rush into to a player's mind or, or make them think that they can't do something. He, he fills them full of, you know, cotton candy and, and fun. And they build that confidence, and he, he really does a great job of making sure these guys know how good they are. And then on the other side, he's really good with analytics and mechanics and biomechanics, and he's constantly learning. And he's willing to talk to anybody about hitting. I mean, I had multiple conversations with him for you know 30 minutes to an hour last year and in spring training, and he just sit there and he wants my opinion. He wants my thoughts. He's like, you have a different view than me. What are you seeing? Why do you think this is happening? How can we beat this guy? And a guy that's willing to you know, pull nuggets from everywhere and then piece it together for how the player needs it, that's the coach you want. And you know, he's, he's a guy that you don't find on a regular basis, so he's a guy you want to hold on to. And so I, I thought last year that the hitting coaches, X-Team obviously included that, did a terrific job with some of these young hitters. I mean, Brian Reynolds and Kevin Newman were as good as any two rookies in the National League and at the plate, and you got to give them a lot of credit for that. Bell was finally able to find that happy medium where in years past you'd either have the guy that would hit 290 and get on base a ton, you don't have much power, or that year he hit 27, 28 home runs, whatever it was, but only hit like 230 to go with it. He started to find that happy medium of being a good on-base guy with – uh, an astronomical amount of power, obviously. You know, Starling Marte, no longer here, but you could argue last year is the best offensive year of his career. So I think those guys were making, paying dividends with these hitters. And I'm very excited to see what guys like Reynolds and Newman and Bell can do in year two with him, along with some of these younger guys that we're going to see coming up this year. Key Brian Hayes when he gets here. Cole Tucker with a more extended stay with the Major League Club. Jacob Stallings here all year. I think that they can really quietly turned the Pirates into a pretty good starting lineup this year. I, I don't doubt that this team will be able to uh, – no, they're not going to be some powerhouse. They're not going to be the Yankees. They're not going to be the Astros. But I think that they can be a better-than-middle-of-the-pack offense in the National League this year. And I think the hitting coaches, led by Exine, obviously, deserve a ton of credit for that. I, I completely agree. I mean, I thought it was a – pretty vast turnaround from 2018 to 19. Um, you know, when Branson was here, he was good. Um, he was really good. But, you know, I felt like the combination of Eckstein and Cruz kind of brought a different element, and it's carried over into this year. Guys went into the offseason with a more specific plan and more idea of what they wanted to do. You've already seen it with Colin Moran, you know, catching the ball out in front. He's got a little toe tap. Um you know, he took time during, you know, the shutdown and, and made some adjustments that maybe aren't that easy. I mean, he's getting on that backside a little sooner and he's staying there longer, which allows a lot more time to happen for him. And he's not going to be so, I'm not going to say guess oriented, but perfect time oriented. You know, he's going to have adjustability like he's never had. And I think that's really going to help him to maybe, you know, platoon his numbers this year in a short stint. I mean, we saw how good he was over the last, you know, couple games. I, I think he can carry that on if the consistency of the rhythm and timing go with that toe tap. So you're going to see guys continue to grow. I, I feel like they feel like they have freedom to grow on their own and they have someone that they can talk to consistently to try to banter back and forth. What's best next step forward. I think this season is going to be so cool too, to see guys like, you know, Cole Tucker and, and, 
some of these young guys like O'Neill Cruz grow because it's going to be a sprint the whole time. There's not that dead part of the season when it's only 60 games. Um, and I think a lot of guys are really ready to step up and, and prove themselves. And they, I think this team just wants to kind of prove that, that they aren't going to finish in fifth place. I think you see it in every projection, every, uh, you know, everybody's acting like this team's only going to win maybe 20 games and they have a little bit of a chip on their shoulder uh, so far throughout these exhibitions. And I, I think it will carry into St. Louis tomorrow night 8 p.m., the Pirates will be on AT&T Sportsnet. As far as opening day goes, do you guys have anything special planned? What what can we get excited for tomorrow? Well, tomorrow is Nick's birthday, so happy, happy birthday, buddy. Happy birthday, Nick. Thank you, thank you. 28. Um, I was telling Trey earlier, this was the first time that I felt shy about saying how old I was in front of some younger people. Uh, I know I'm not by any means old, but 30 is definitely getting close. But no, yeah, we're going over to my parents' house, going to fire up the grill and get ready to watch the game. Going to ask for a better birthday, honestly. No doubt, man. Pirates baseball is coming back. So much to be excited about. We've had staff writers on uh, throughout this offseason, and some have been giving their projections. You can find all of our staff's projections for the 2020 season on rumbunter.com but we haven't had a chance to to give ours quite yet so let's just jump right into it marty what is your your final record prediction for this season and uh, maybe where do you think the pirates will finish in the nl central well i had on the site today i have my full predictions up with best position group worst position group mvp all that fun stuff but for the record i'm saying 26 and 34 um, it would not surprise me to see them be better than that, honestly. I don't think they would be much worse than that. Again, like I said earlier, I think there's more talent on this team than they showed last year. So I'm going to say they'll finish 26-34. and 34. I think they'll either be fourth in the division, finishing ahead of Milwaukee, or finishing fifth and being behind the Brewers. But I will add that I, even though I think they'll finish fourth or fifth in the division – I think this would be one of those seasons where they finish with a losing record, but people have some optimism going into the offseason because I do really believe you're going to see a lot of young guys take a step forward. You're going to see guys like Trevor Williams and Joe Musgrove have bounced back seasons and really solidify themselves as leaders of the starting rotation. So while I don't think the Pirates will finish with a winning record this season, I do think it's going to be a season where – in terms of player development and things along those lines, the positives will definitely outweigh the negatives, and there will be a lot of reasons for optimism heading into the offseason. Yeah, I have them at 24-36, and 36, um, uh, last place in the division, unfortunately. I, I, do, I have a lot of optimism. I just think this division is very deep, uh, and it's going to be – uh, you know, they keep calling it a 60 game sprint and it's going to be a tough sprint against, you know, four quality playoff caliber teams. So I, I don't think the pirates are there yet to really make noise, but like Marty said, I think you're going to at least see some positive things come out of this team that should get fans excited for, you know, the future. I'm going to go right down the middle and go 30 and 30. I think they're going to have the little brother syndrome the whole year. And they're going to spoil a lot of, a lot of teams. Uh, you know, breakfast at the end of the day. I think they match up pretty well across the board um, in the division, especially the lineup. It's not going to be an easy lineup to face, and there's not a lot of guys that. You know, I know Bell and some of these guys ride hot. 
you know, hot streaks, low streaks, but, you know, if consistency, consistency plans out, plays out and Adam Frazier gets hot out of the gate, you know, and you see, you know, the top three guys in Reynolds, Newman, and Frazier set the table, it's going to open up the door for Josh Bell. And I think they're going to score enough runs. The only question mark I have is balance in the bullpen. But like we talked about yeah. earlier on, guys like Clay Holmes and Hartlieb and some of these guys and birdies, just absolutely nasty. I think you're going to see, you know, if the hitting and starting pitching can help enough early on, I think you're going to see the bullpen grow the most throughout the season, which makes me believe that they could go 30 and 30. One good thing about the bullpen uh, also was that uh, Cedarland, he, I saw was back to Altoona camp. So, you know, he's another power uh, young up and coming arm that we could see soon. Absolutely. And Keone Kell is not, not far off if you ever get a second negative right, test. Right. Yeah. That's one thing I was going to add real quick, too, is I think even if this team does maybe get off a little bit of a slow start, you have to remember okay, so Keone Kell and Blake Cedarland, who Nick Birdie aside, might have the best stuff of anybody in this bullpen. Gregory Polanco, who when he's healthy, can be as dangerous of a hitter as just about anyone in this lineup. And Key Brian Hayes, who I think the world of, I think Hayes is going to be a perennial all-star. And if Nolan Arenado allows it, a perennial gold glove winner at third base, those are four guys that you're going to get injected into this roster at some point in the next few weeks. So not only does that make the roster better, but I'm sure, Michael, this is something you can speak to, you know, whenever you have guys like that that come into the clubhouse and inject into the roster, it probably gives the team a little bit of a pep in their step as well. Like, hey, you know what? We might be struggling a little bit right now, but we just got with Hayes. We just got the top prospect in our farm system joins us with Polanco. We just picked up a 25 home run bat. You know, with Kella, we just picked up an all-star closer. Like, those types of things, not only are they good for the team on the field, but it can have a positive impact on the team's mentality in the clubhouse as well. Oh, the morale boost that that gives – I mean, I'll never forget when, you know, Marlon Bird and Justin Morneau and some of those guys walked into the clubhouse when we made trades late in August in 2013. You talk about just a shift in the culture real quick in the clubhouse. I mean, you bring in guys that have experience or have stuff or ability like like Hayes, Sierlin, and Keone Kella. I mean, that's just that, – that changed everything. And you bring in a guy like Polanco. I mean, Polanco and Bell – when you think about it, they're the face now. You know, with Marte being gone, Kutch being gone, Jay Hay being gone, they're the face of you know this Pittsburgh Pirate team. When you look at the lineup, who do you not want to beat you? You know, you may say Reynolds. You know, he's still just on year two. You're saying Polanco and Bell most of the time. And if those two guys get hot, they can carry a lineup. I don't care what anybody says; they can carry a lineup. If Polanco gets back to where he was in the second half of 2018 and Bell even hints at a little bit of what he was doing in May last year, I mean, who wants to face that? I mean, it'd be remarkable. And then you have two guys that hit 300 right above him, and Adam Frazier could hit 300 in a snap of the fingers. And he's had, you know, ups and downs the last few years. So, you know, you have something that could come together. Do a lot of things have to be right? Absolutely. Is there a lot of things that could go right, right for him across the league? Absolutely. But – you just have to wait and see it. But I do think the hunger that these guys have, you can't necessarily rule them out because they have ability and they have talent. And in a 60-game season, you know, guys that, that come back and join the team, let's say they start rolling, 
you get 15 games in and, and you know maybe you're in second in the division there's not that much baseball left to be played and, and the confidence is there and really anything is possible um, but if I was going to give my projection I would say maybe in the ballpark of, of 28 wins um, I like the 30 and 30 take uh, and, and this team you know they're capable of winning 40 games with this lineup but um, it really is going to come down to how that bullpen pitches and um, just how confident all five starters can be throughout the season. It's going to be fun to see um, and really just fun to have baseball back, if nothing else. Michael, thank you so much for joining us tonight. You have been an incredible guest. Please don't be a stranger. Come back soon. Hey, thanks for having me, and I'll come on anytime you want, guys. I love talking shop. Thanks, man. We really do appreciate it. Yeah, it's great having you on. Yeah, thank you, guys. Safe travels to uh, St. Louis and and safe travels throughout the season uh, with all the ventures. I know it's going to be a little bit weird, but got to thank you and the rest of your production team for allowing us to to see Pirates baseball in some form or fashion. Tomorrow is opening day. Tomorrow is the beginning of a new era in Pirates baseball. We are ready. We are going to be here for you with all kinds of articles. We're going to break down the weekend on Rumbunter Radio as well. But that is all the time we have for this opening day special. For Marty Leap and Nick Caparoso, my name is Trey Entity. As always, you can find us on fansided.com slash rumbunter, on our social media, and on Apple Music as well. So long. Let's go back. mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.